Hey everyone, it is uh, a new episode of Muscle Orchestra podcast. It is your host, as always, Chris. Uh, next to me, I have Tanner. Yep, right next to him. We're right next to me. Office. Could you uh, imagine if we had the budget to to fly out every week or every three months whenever we record this? Yeah. Uh, we are actually recording this with pretty quick turnaround from our last one. Don't only a couple weeks. Uh, yeah, like two weeks. But it it is because of some uh, unfortunate circumstances. Uh, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, not even uh, August twenty fourth. So one week ago, uh, from today, the date we recorded this is the 31st of August. Uh, Bray Wyatt, uh, well, uh, Wyndham Rotunda, uh, passed away tragically at the age of 36. Way too young. Way yeah. too fucking young. Uh, or got, like, father of how many? Four? Yeah, he, like... He had, I know he had, yeah, several, several, uh, yeah, he had two, da- two daughters with his ex-wife and two daughters with Jojo. Yeah. And like all those kids are super young and, yeah, and Jojo is like 29 or 30. Yeah. So right. he is leaving. Uh, and sorry, it's, uh, he had a son and a daughter with Jojo. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, he is leaving behind a very young family. Uh, his father, Mike Rotunda, uh, burying his child, just one of the worst thing that can happen uh, to a parent. And uh, also just was the day after uh terry funk passed yeah yeah so so it was already a sad week and yeah uh like terry terry funk obviously a legend and uh like unarguably one of the best to ever do it if not the best uh but he was someone that you knew it was coming even though like it felt that he could live forever you like he had been in poor health and everything but bray wyatt Mm -hmm. like uh 36 years old yeah it's just just a fucking shame yeah Uh, it it, like because i I know on wednesday like you, you know funk you know what 79 when he passed and it was kind of everybody like celebrating like well look at this body of work that uh that terry funk has left behind and chris we had even discussed doing a terry funk episode yeah uh and then like the next day like just scrolling on twitter and you see uh the memorial post for for bray and it just it, it personally hit a personal spot for me i'm not you know i don't i don't want us to go down too sad of a road but like as somebody whose father died when they were young you you know my dad was only 40 died very similarly to this it it hit hits a chord and especially now 
like I'm 28 and Bray Wyatt only being 36, like 36 is not yeah. old by any means, but like as you creep up and you know, nearing your 30s, you're like, Yeah, I'm Man, about to that's turn a 29. Fucking, yeah, like that's a fucking shame. Like it, but also like kind of like to all he was able to accomplish, I guess I never realized just how young he was. Yeah. Like during the initial Wyatt family run that we'll get to here in a few minutes, he's our age doing yeah. like is on the in the main event doing stuff like of this caliber on TV every week week. And he's like 26, 27 years old, fucking killing it. And you're just like, holy shit. That's like I just never made the connection that he was that young. Yeah, yeah. And but the news the news, yeah, scrolling on Twitter and just seeing seeing it get announced. It's just one of those moments. I was just at work and I like I was cleaning the bathrooms and when I clean the bathrooms I just like check my phone because I'm like I'm away from customers or anything so I can just check my phone and I'm just kind of staring at it in disbelief uh seeing the news and then I just like once I was done with my my shift I w- just kind of had to walk next door to a bar and just scroll for a while because I just couldn't believe it like I and like I think I messaged you pretty quickly that we had to do a Bray episode yeah uh, like yeah it was definitely pretty quickly because if you don't know Chris and I did our first podcast together for what was previously the late takes Chris and I did a fiend core episode and that's I would say sort of the soft pilot for Muscle Orchestra. Yeah. In, that, in a way. That was pretty much what launched like any collaborate. Like we we had been friends forever on Twitter and stuff before that. But like yeah. that was the first like collaboration between the two of us that kind of launched anything that we've done since, especially this talking yeah. about wrestling. And so like Bray uh outside of just our experiences being fans of his work in general uh as a like very like it's very personal just to like this podcast like it's very near and dear to our hearts and so i think it like we had we have to talk about bray wyatt yeah like yeah there was I had to get over the initial shock at first because it reminded me of when Brody Lee died, where yeah, like, and... it just like we had heard that, you know, Bray was close to coming back in the ring and, you know, he was about to make his return, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then you just you're on you get on social media one day and you're just like, oh, and like, that's kind of how I felt when it was announced that Brody Lee had passed away. Where it it almost doesn't come across as a joke, but you have to read it several times because it doesn't seem. Yeah, real. it doesn't register. It yeah, does, like you're like, what words am I reading right now? Like that? No, that doesn't make sense. And, you know, they're a athlete. You know, in their, you know, prime, like in their late thirties, like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and and, 
I mean, obviously, it 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 read, rings so close to home with that too, just because obviously they were stable mates, they were friends. Yeah, God, you really feel for Rowan. Mm-hmm. Like you feel for everyone who shared locker rooms for the like reading tributes from like Big E, who like was very clearly close with both Bray and Luke Harper. You read, read all the tributes from Alexa bliss, the rest, like other guys in the new day, like everyone who worked with Bray and, uh, pre like previously Luke Harper, like, like these are, these are two guys that people loved being around. And yeah, uh, it, it's just devastating for the fam for the families and the friends and yeah, yeah and, and, like and especially God. because it doesn't seem like anybody has any bad thing to say about him like you know like he like especially thinking of somebody that is not to use a WWE term but a a multi-generational superstar um, you know, you could come into the business with an ego, especially being as young as he was, but everything that has been said about him in the last week, ranging from, I mean, some, you know, Cena and the rock to like everybody at every level in the locker room is just talking about how nice he was and how obviously like, you know, us, the fans, we could see what a creative force he was. Um just with what he was able to honestly get put on television. Cause it's still kind of wild that yeah. he was able to get what he got on television onto television, especially in, you know, current day WWE standards. Uh, but he was just like this force of creative passion that I don't, I don't know if we've ever seen in wrestling and I just don't know if we'll ever get something to that level again in wrestling. Yeah, he was he is such a unique a unique force in wrestling and such like he's such a natural charisma and like a guy who is so obviously overflowing with ideas for his mm-hmm. character and ways uh like like ways like constantly honing his craft, constantly honing his character uh, from week to week. And like, like maybe like it didn't always work, but he was getting, he was getting things over with crowds that no, like almost no one else would ever be able to do. No, like the fact that something like the fiend or like the Wyatt fam, like this, like for all of the silly stuff that he has been through, like that he did on TV, the fact that no matter like how poorly he was booked, he was like consistently able to like get over with the crowd again. Like he was always one of the top merch sellers is just a testament to like, his ability and his like natural charisma and yeah, it's just something 
like there are not a lot of guys in any locker room capable of of doing that and for him to be able to shine and get like his ideas like something so uniquely him so often through on like modern wwe television in ways like like very few people like who else has been able to kind of leave their mark in the past 10 years like him maybe like roman the new day yeah and like and i like obviously you know you had the wyatt family but bray seemed even more so like this solo entity because the Wyatt family only lasted so long where it does always feel like Roman is still tied to the shield. The new day obviously is a collective Bray was sort of like, you you could tell all like these ideas were him. It was just who he could get to be on board with it. Kind of like, with the Wyatt family stuff, I mean, I, I, I mean, you can read interviews where they talk about, you know, Bray being like the mastermind behind it. I mean, going to say the Firefly Funhouse match, like that, w- very much a Bray Wyatt idea, and I still think it's probably the best thing WWE produced during the the Thunderdome era. Uh, like, I don't even know what would be a second place. Um, no, it, it's just, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, I was just going to butt in the other, the Boneyard match is probably the other, other thing from that same mania, the other cinematic. But it, it's just, I mean, there's nothing more I could say besides like, man, it just like fucking sucks. Like how unfair, like life can just be sometimes. And uh, it's just, I I don't know. It, 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 I mean, it just fucking sucks, especially looking at it now. Like, I remember kind of having a feeling similar to this when um, Umaga died. Um, he, he mm-hmm. had just been released from WWE, I, I don't even think, but a couple of months maybe. Uh, and he, like, very suddenly passed away. And that, like, since my fandom, that was, like, the first wrestler that ever died that i had watched so like that like had like a pretty profound effect on me and i i felt the same way when i read with bray because like it just doesn't feel like you know we were anywhere near like his like full potential per se like i mean again 36 years old he could have went on to have a 25 year plus career yeah especially the style like his style that he worked uh like how how much i mean obviously he did a lot of a lot of his matches involved some aspect of like smoke and mirrors so Mm -hmm. yeah he was like he was a guy like he made he was always compared to like the undertaker perhaps unfairly because those are those are obviously big boots to fill but uh he he is a guy who could have had a career like that length just because he he like even with some of the injuries he because he uh, 
had been hurt a lot and had like had health issues, mm-hmm. but it felt like with his style, he could keep come like he could still have a hefty career in in front of him. Uh, but yeah, it does. It does feel like we really only scratched the surface with what we got from Bray Wyatt. Yeah, and like also too. I mean, before we get into the matches that we actually came to talk about today, because we were we specifically wanted to focus on Bray Wyatt, not the Fiend, since we've already done like a whole episode that literally encapsulates the entire run of the Fiend. Um, which I'll, I'll link here so if you want to hear Chris and I talk about the Fiend two years ago. But the fact that sometimes he would be given such shit to work with and make it work. Like, Chris, I think we actually talked about it on the last episode. Him and L.A. Knight having a Mountain Dew pitch black match. And, I mean, that is really what got L.A. Knight over. But I think it only got him over because Bray made it work. Despite it being a match sponsored by Mountain Dew pitch black. Yeah, like, having having a spooky Mountain Dew match, like... If you have that match with like I I don't I don't know, carry on cross, that is something that can kill a guy's momentum. Yeah. But yeah. like with Bray, you're uh like Bray, you really can trust that he can elevate a guy. Yeah. And he and he made it work. I mean, sure, sometimes, you know, something he did didn't come across as maybe you, the viewer, would like, but you can't deny that everything he got onto television, he made work, or else he wouldn't have been one of the top merch sellers. He wouldn't have been a main event force for, you know, nine years like he was. So it's just I don't know. It it fucking sucks. It like it, I still haven't really like have sat down and fully processed it. But it's just it just seems so unfair. Yeah, it is. It it's rough. It's rough, man. Even even a week later just kind of thinking about it, you're you're like damn, just it, it's a it's a tremendous loss for the community. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I can't. It it, it just it, it it sucks. I I will I do want to just for like a second give the slightest bit of uh props to WWE, uh giving a hundred percent of his merch proceeds to JoJo and the kids. Like I think that yeah, is a, that was a. It, the- a great move. Yeah, an extremely classy move that I I don't think I've ever seen anything like that done in sports. Really, I mean, maybe with outside of my realm of you know memory, but yeah, like, I can't I can't say for certain, but still, it uh, a phenomenal gesture. Yeah. Uh, so I so I do want to just like give a shout out to that, and like I'm sure you know they will be taken care of uh for a long time but it's just fucking rough man uh just sitting here talking about it, I, di- I guess i didn't realize how much it affected me until i'm sitting here talking yeah. about it and i'm over here like getting choked up about it 
like still a week later, but like I, I feel like we had to do this, it's, it's, especially like we said, you know, we our whole like collaborating together kind of started as a joke because we were like, oh, we should do a fiend episode, and then we did a fiend episode and had a lot of fun doing it. Um, yeah, I love the love the fiend, and now you know. Yeah, I mean, we gotta we gotta talk about Bray. Oh man, wow! I did not expect it to to hit me like that. Okay. Uh, well, Chris, do you just want to dive in? So we have a little smorgasbord of matches here. I think we we have five matches. Yep. That we wanted to touch on. Um, I guess we'll go in chronological order. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, none of, none of the matches really like carry over one to another we just kind of picked five that we thought was like essential bray um so up first we have uh daniel bryan versus bray wyatt from the royal rumble not the not daniel bryan versus the fiend from the royal rumble which i forgot was a match that happened yep but yep. daniel bryan versus bray wyatt from the royal rumble it was 20 oh my god 14 that uh that fiend daniel bryan match is good uh but yeah, this is Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble 2014. It is the Royal Rumble that CM Punk did not show up at. Uh, re- remember, you may remember, this was the Royal Rumble that the crowd wanted Punk. They wanted Punk, and they got Batista. Oh my god. Wait, I thought Punk, I thought this was the show, not to derail here, I thought this was the show that Punk walked out of. Oh, wait, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. I'm sorry. This That was, I'm getting my punk lore. I'm sorry, it's so easy to lose track of your punk lore, especially nowadays. Have you been reading those damn headlines? It just, yeah, he was the, holy shit. I yeah, don't, he, I, was, he, he was, he was one the of first the first entrance. eliminated. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it got eliminated by uh, Kane. Good lord. I do not remember this rumble at all. I just clicked on the Wikipedia page just for to have a little bit of frame of reference, and I do not remember this rumble in the slightest. Yeah, Batista won. This is the one that... But yeah, Batista won, and people were not happy. Ooh, man. But, uh, back to Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan. I, Chris, I think this is the first time we ever got to see Bray as like a actual singles guy. Like up to this point, it's all trio stuff mainly. Um, and obviously it does help, you know, being in there with one of the, you know, the best wrestlers ever, but rewatching this match yesterday, Bray, like, and I, I don't think it's rose tinted glasses, but like, Bray is very much a huge part of why this match works. Yes. I mean, so I'm looking, I'm looking at the career on cage match and main roster Bray. Uh, obviously he had, he had singles matches, Yeah, but his like premier showcases on, uh, TV or pay-per-view to this point were a six-minute match with Dolph Ziggler on Raw yeah, and then an eight-minute match with Kofi at Battleground 2013. 
which I have never seen. Maybe I'm I might check that out. <laughs> I was just about to say I'm because that would that that would have been New Day. Kofi would it not have been? No, no, that wasn't New Day yet. Really? God, they okay. would not have been. Yeah, they would not have been together yet. Huh? New yeah, Day was I... like either late 2014 yeah i, I early 2015 yeah i guess new day did come around like post shield yeah collapse. yeah huh yeah i would have to watch that but yeah not a guy given a whole bunch to do singles wise and then you give him and daniel bryan 22 minutes uh to open the show. I'm not going to count the pre-show match, which was New Age Outlaws versus Cody Rhodes and Goldust, uh, which the New Age Outlaws won for the tag titles, by the way. Um, But no, Bray, so, like things, it's been a while since I've seen like a Bray Wyatt match. Like, obviously, yeah. you know, he's been working as the Fiend for so long. Um, It had been a while since I saw like a, a regular Bray match. I, I, I guess, and I guess with the content, you know, he's, 27 when this match is happening um i forgot what like a bumping menace he was he takes yeah. a gnarly ass bump yeah, for he, a guy his size he was he was going like people people forget about the bray wyatt work rate they forget about the bray wyatt work rate tanner they they forgot about the what oh fuck what they used to say the tank body with a ferrari engine is that what they that's used right to say? that's right <laughs> uh and people forgot it but like seriously like he took some bumps in this brian match and some of the matches we'll talk about later i'm just like oh yeah we what? will we will talk about some bumps later yeah i was like why was this not talked about more when he was wrestling like this like i mean i think this happens a lot when people have like are very highly gimmicked, like yeah. very highly like into a spooky gimmick, um, like Bray Wyatt. It happens, like it it's happened with the roller coaster that is Undertaker discourse forever about how good of a worker he is. That we won't open that can of worms, um, but yeah like people like you get lost in all of the spooky promos and like oh yeah he's a great he's a great character worker that you kind of forget that yeah he's just also good at wrestling yeah like i mean so like yes he is a great character worker phenomenal on the mic like it made everything come across as believable uh but then like Again, I feel like he could have been in the ring with anybody in this match. Again, he just happened to be in there with Danielson. But, I mean, he is bumping his ass. I, that's the thing that took me by surprise. Because, like, I was watching WWE pretty... God, I think I was still weekly in 2014. I I, had I, was, I was not. I, this was the tail end of my dead period. I, I've, I've watched this match before. Because I've, I've caught up with all of, like the pay-per-views mm-hmm. um, from this, like, like the major pay-per-views. I, I've seen every Rumble and whatever. But, uh, yeah, the Bray... Like, Bray is, like, he is good at that character work and that promo work, but what makes him great and, like, what 
drew me, draws me into him is that he is good at physically like turning that character work and like putting it into his ring work. Yeah. And that's like a lot of like not everyone can do that. Not everyone is good at like some people are good at like the outside of the ring character work and can't translate it in the ring and vice versa. Uh, Bray Wyatt is like good at both. And like that is really evident, especially with a guy like we've said, like Daniel Bryan, who is going to like get it out of someone, especially this run, Daniel Bryan. Obviously Mm -hmm. this is the yes movement. This was just a few weeks after that. Like, I mean, with Bray Wyatt, we have to talk about like this feud and like he was such an important stop for Daniel Bryan oh. on like on the way to Mania. Yeah, like I don't I mean obviously, you know, some we already talked on the punk stuff and you know kind of what forced their hand per se with the Danielson stuff at Mania which you know, however you want to feel about that, whatever. But I don't think that Daniel Bryan gets as over as he does at the in, at this like initial point of this run, if not for like the whole like, oh, he joined the Wyatt family and that, oh, now he's escaped the Wyatt family. I don't think that happens. Yeah, that pro like that segment where uh where Brian gets on top of the cage mm-hmm. and does the yes chant is still like, like that's gotta be one of the biggest pops of the, like of the last 10 years. I mean, oh, yeah. as far as WWE and Daniel Bryan, that's only eclipsed by like him winning it. Yeah. Him, him winning at mania and for a company that's so focused now more than ever on creating moments like like that it just feels so organic yeah so so organic and again i don't think it it gets over like there's nobody else in the company you could have put brian with at that time to have made that work as well as it did i mean you know you like sure you could have paired him with the shield and try to do something but the shield was already so over as baby faces even at the tail end of 2013, beginning of 2014, it wouldn't really have worked where the Wyatt family, honestly, were like the only true heels in the company outside of like Randy Orton at this time. Yeah. So, I mean, I I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think too, just the fact that you got a, a stable of spooky men over as legitimate, like credible threat heels is already impressive enough. Um, but the fact that like you were able to parlay that into having your biggest baby face. Oh God ever. I mean, <laughs> like honestly, maybe yeah. your biggest baby face ever. Like it, it's, it was honestly a Herculean effort and also some, extenuating circumstances that had to happen for it to, you know, you know, finish the story per se. Uh, but it is shocking, like going back on that and going like, Oh my, I can't believe they didn't fuck it up. Like everybody played their part. Great. 
and nobody fucked it up. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, you you said finish the story, so I was looking up who eliminated Cody from the Rumble. It was, uh, oh, it was it was Goldust. Of course, it's Goldust. <laughs> oh man, and Goldust was eliminated by Roman Reigns, and I I remember this too because this Rumble because. This is the rumble that Reigns broke the elimination record. Okay, I wasn't I wasn't sure if it was this one or the next one. Yeah, it, I mean the next one was the one that Rain, Roman won. Yeah, the next one is the one he wins, where the the final like face off is like him and Rusev, I think. And like, yeah, weirdly, weirdly, the rumble that seeing all the backlash made me like remember WWE existed. <laughs> yeah, and like led to a domino effect that got me to where our to us talking right now uh but that's that's another story but man i mean it like it really is crazy and i again like a huge part of that is bray just being like this completely believable character even though he comes across as like the bad guy from maybe not a fairy tale, but like a like some somebody that's not real, like all of the stuff, like it, like the sister Abigail stuff, and the follow the butter or the follow the buzzards, and you know the we're always fireflies and things like that. Like it seems goofy on on the surface, and yeah. that's because on a certain level it is. But the fact that he made it work too is just again fucking insane in hindsight yeah i mean you you see you see a million uh you've seen like a million cult leader like hype gimmicks i mean think think about like the early days of like aew when mm-hmm. they had like 20 different spooky uh spooky stables at the same time and none of them you could take serious the only one eventually yeah. like you kind of started taking Dark Order series a little bit when Brody uh, was revealed as the leader. Yep. And then, like, uh, now, like, he's gone. And even with their connection to Hangman Page, they're still, like, they're just, like, comedy jobbers again. Like, they're just... So, it, it like, it's a very... It takes a very special worker, like, uh, Bray Wyatt, like, uh... Brody Lee to make that kind of gimmick work because mm-hmm. uh, you need someone who is both charismatic, someone who can be both likable and menacing at the same time. Yeah. And Bray Wyatt is that. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, there's matches we'll talk about later that makes you go, Oh, Bray could have been a great baby face. Um, That's true. And just never really. And and that's another thing that like also like on top of everything else also fucking sucks is we never got like the true Bray babyface run. And I honestly think that would have tapped into something. It would have been interesting to see how that Ferrari engine worked. Yeah. Because like, because obviously like when someone is and we'll we will talk about it because Obviously, when you're working heel, your your offense and is going to be a lot more deliberately paced, and you're not mm-hmm. going to 
like especially someone like Bray is going to be very careful to not like look too showy and he's going to be very focused on making his opponent uh, like as the baby face look uh good so he is like he's not going to he's not he's going to be more focused on the bump in when he's not on offense and when he is on offense it's going to be a lot more slow and deliberate and like what he does is smooth and it looks good and it like he like he's got he's got like a good power offense but it would be very interesting it would have been very interesting to see yeah it's just and that's another thing too watching like this first because it was the first match i watched um was his like move set i can't remember who somebody tweeted a story about oh my god i wish i could remember who it was i meant to make note of it but somebody was telling a story of how they got they met uh masahiro chono backstage at a noah show i'm fucking i can't remember who it was but they were talking about or maybe it was a new japan show and they were talking to bray about uh meeting chono and bray just goes Man, I fucking love Masahiro Chono. And just talking about that. And I had that quote in my head as I'm watching this. And he does a lot of Chono stuff weirdly, even though they have two completely different builds. Oh, I, d- I didn't know that. I didn't see that. That is so like, it's so awesome that Chono is a Bray guy. It does yeah. make sense. Yeah, it makes to- it makes total sense that like Brave would be like, "Oh, I fucking love Masahiro Chono." It makes total sense. But then, like watching these matches from almost a decade ago at this point, you're like, "Yeah, he weirdly does a lot of Chono stuff." And it just again, two guys built completely different, and you have Bray like hitting the fucking like yakuza kicks like just randomly and just like what the fuck oh god it makes it makes so like yeah it makes so much sense like yeah breaking about thinking about like like all three of those got like thinking about bray uh like luke harper and eric rowan like those are definitely guys who who have seen who have seen some 90s new japan Oh yeah, and we're and weren't just watching the juniors. They were watching. They were watching the heavyweights too, and they loved it like they should. Yeah, it it honestly comes across too as like they were the real freaks. They got into like really big into the early two thousands, like Enochism, New Japan, and they watched like Takayama Chono in the cage and shit like that. And yeah. they're just like, "Fuck, man, that's the good stuff." And you're like, "Hell yeah!" Oh yeah, with like Bray with like Bray's ideas i can definitely see that yeah because it has that level of like overbooking to it that's so ridiculous but it kind of works yeah um but yeah man uh i, I don't know do, do you have anything left to say on the on the brian match or you not on, move the, on? Not the brian match no uh well up next we have arguably maybe the most talked about wwe match of the last 10 years I don't know if you would agree with me there, Chris, but we'll talk about that. We um, have uh, from probably. Elimination Chamber 2014, the Wyatt family versus the Shield. Um, 
in my head, Chris, before rewatching this, I did not realize the Daniel Bryan match and the Shield match were back to back pay per views. Yeah, I, I like because I wasn't watching, especially at the time. Uh, so I would have probably watched these. Like, even if I watched these close together, it probably wouldn't have even registered with me at the time. But yeah, this is the eight, like the next month at yeah. Elimination Chamber. Um, and it's it's crazy too. Like, so before I watched the match, like on the pay per view, they had like a, a pretty you know WWE is pretty good at making video packages. They had a video package kind of like showing why this whole feud started. Because I, I remember distinctly in 2014 around this time, because, you know, well, again, I guess she wasn't really in the bubble at this point, but it took like two weeks for the punk stuff to really get out like, oh, he's not coming back. Yeah. So you so you were hearing about WrestleMania plans just being thrown to the fucking wind um, because nobody knew what was going to happen at Mania. So like the the big rumor was where was like Wyatt's and Shield was going to be at Mania and then they moved it up to make room for all the other stuff they did at Mania instead. Mm-hmm. Um and it's so interesting like watching it now knowing that cuz like they kind of rush into this a little bit like they don't start building it they start building it the raw after the rumble um where the Wyatt's like interfere in like the shield versus I think it's Daniel Bryan, John Cena and Sheamus and it's like an elimination chamber qualifying match. Uh and the Wyatt's interfere and like beat up the baby faces but which disqualifies the shield which gets them kicked out of the of the chamber so they can't be in the chamber. And it's so funny how again if we have WWE rushing what could have been an extremely hot feud because Chris, I don't know if you remember, but the Wyatt's and the Shields end up having like four or five matches. Yes. Um, after this, but obviously this is like the big one. Uh, they even have a match on main event, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't think I've ever seen the main event match. If, if that I, I, is I, so I could true. be wrong. I know they did. I know they both had main event matches leading up to the Elimination Chamber where they faced. Um, Primo and Epico and Rey Mysterio, Los Matadors and Rey Mysterio and Trio's action. Uh, like the Wyatts faced them one week and then the Shield faced them the next week on main event. I distinctly remember that. Um, but again, they get like three weeks of build. What could have been like the hottest feud of the year. You have these two, you know, like, fa- like trios, like, on all timer runs in different aspects. Like the shield have been around for like two years at this point started as heels, but have really started get gotten over as baby faces. The Wyatt's are like, I guess for lack of a better term, the new kids on the block. And they are like the big baddies now. And then WWE classic WWE styles. Like, all right, y'all got two weeks of TV to fucking figure this out. And then they made it fucking work. Yeah. And that, that's crazy too, because it's like, like what? Like I, I get that they, they got Bray with Cena, so I guess Bray got kind of moved up the card. But like the Shield, that which were such a hot act, their Mania match was that was the Kane and New Age Outlaws match. Yeah, 
I I can't remember. I want to say that match was on the pre-show. If not, it was the opener. It, it I think that's on the I think it's on the main card, but it's pretty early on. Oh yeah, because the opener would have been Brian and Triple H. Yeah, so, yeah opener it, was I, Brian I, Triple H. Yeah, it probably was the second or third match of the show. But yeah, because it's basically a squash. Yeah, it's like three minutes long. Man, that yeah, it's just. So, I mean, I guess you could say Bray did get the best end of this stick for for this. You know, he gets a, a you know, the rest of the time you could say that. Yes, uh, he gets the WrestleMania feud with Cena. But. Again, it's just one of those things like obviously. Like, again, with hindsight being what it is, we can see that all six of these guys were like pretty special in their own regards. Yeah, I mean, especially looking at like just for the shield, for example, what the members of the shield have done in the last nine years and where they are at respectively now. Um, like, uh, like you're, I mean, we're talking about like, again, for lack of a better term, future Hall of Famers in this match. Um, yeah, and they just made it work. I mean, they had two weeks of build, and we are, I mean, with the shield, you're talking about like the two work. I, I mean, I guess calling calling Roman the work workhorse is kind of weird because he doesn't wrestle that much. But yeah, he's he's the big draw. Well, like Moxley is the workhorse of AEW, and Seth Rollins is like he he is still pretty high on the like workhorse totem yeah. pole. They like, had to give not... Seth Rollins a, a whole fake belt. Yeah, they had to give him because, a whole fake belt because he they had him working so much and they couldn't have him dethrone. Yeah, they gave him Roman. the cuck belt. <laughs> yeah, I mean you're you're not wrong. Um, but man, so Chris, what did you like think of this match as somebody that didn't get to watch it live that watched it like after the fact and obviously rewatched it for the episode today? What like what does this match live up to like all the hype it's gotten over the years? I mean, it definitely lives up, lives up to the hype. Like, it's still, it's still a great trios match. Like, it's so, it's so weird. Like, it's, it is kind of hard to go back to, like, something like this because, like, the Shield Wyatt six man matches are like, so foundational to like tv wrestling in the decade that followed like it's just as foundational as like the young bucks tag match which some like there are people who don't want to hear those like mentioned in the same section like sentence but it's true like like it is like very foundational like you kind of you kind of see see it build in on top of each other each other like the rise of trios wrestling in America um a lot of it has to do with the shield and the Wyatt family uh and then also the rise of like the elite in New Japan and then eventually AEW and obviously they're working different styles but it's all for like a, an extremely grand main event like faction warfare it's like the american it's the american version of 
the Dragon Gate trio. Obviously, this is not. I wouldn't say Shield Shield Wyatt is as much of like as much of a Dragon Gate inspired trio as like an Elite Tag is, but the DNA and just like how that's grown in the past year and or past decade in American wrestling. I think it's kind of all connected there. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of, it is kind of weird going back and you, cause you've seen so many, you've seen so many matches across, not just WWE or AEW or whatever indie, uh, try like trying to replicate the same feeling as this um but it's i think it still works because it's very like it's very clear that uh like the crowd obviously the crowd is hot for this like these these are two teams operating at like very peak popularity like bray like the wyatt family had like Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family had like have climbed out from like perceived failure in booking and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But this was like at this point, they really hadn't fallen. This was their their like debut peak. They're still really riding hot. Yeah. And this is the shield still like at their peak prop. Uh, of their prowess during the initial run. So like the crowd is really into it. Uh, this like the style seems fresh and it like, they're really going. I like I've, I've slandered Seth Rollins a million times, but I like him a lot more as like a spot monkey in a trios match than I do uh, as a singles wrestler. I, I always do love the shield tags. I, they just have a tremendous chemistry together. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, and they have a particularly strong chemistry against the Wyatt family. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one thing I, I really liked about this match is it seems like everybody kind of has a partner per se mm-hmm. in it. Like obviously they're pairing Roman up with Bray kind of seems like Seth is uh with Luke and Dean is with Eric and they all feed off of each other in that regard. Also, I completely didn't remember that WWE referring to Roman as the leader of the shield at any point during the initial shield run, but they say that multiple times during this match. Like, it, it It's always weird because you. It's. And I think part of it, they might kind of be like teasing the eventual split of the shield. I know it's a, a ways off. Yeah. But the way, the way, and it's always kind of noticeable anyway. They talk about the shield in such a way that, like, at any given time, anyone is the leader of the shield yeah exactly because i mean they'll talk about like roman being the leader and then they'll say seth rollins the architect of the shield yeah and then dean's just like the and then dean guy. but then they'll say dean but dean ambrose the mouthpiece of the shield yeah it, it really is interesting and like just another like how different they were than the wyatts because i think a lot of people that didn't watch wwe at the time kind of have 
this is probably just due to WWE booking now, but have a problem. It's like, well, how did WWE manage to have not one, but two extremely hot and over trio teams in 2013 and 2014? Like, I just don't see them being able to juggle two of them more. I can't really see them juggling one of them well, but the fact that they did two of them very well is kind of overwhelming. And, and Dean even had the belt at the time. Yeah, yeah. Dean was or US not, champ. Yeah, Dean was US champ. So he was he was doing it. He had a singles run mm-hmm. as well as working the trios matches. Yep. Well, was, and remember Seth and Roman were tag champs. Yeah, it's something that you don't really see them do that much. Yeah. Like where they they would have like they would split them off. Mm-hmm. And I mean that's that's always something I like with fat like factions and trios is when you and I mean you you do get that a little bit with uh you did get that a little bit with like the new day when Big E won. Yeah. Uh, but I did I I did feel like they would have it would feel like Big E had his stories and then the new like Kofi and Xavier Woods would have their stories where like the shield always felt more intertwined the shield and the Wyatt family like yeah Uh, a thousand percent it always felt like especially with the shields like their singles and tag feuds would wrap around into like a greater trios feud but at the same time still being completely separate and i know this is the bray episode but just the tangent i have to get on real quick is I don't do you remember the US title defense Dean Ambrose had against Mark Henry? I do not. Okay. I don't think I've seen that. It is an extremely fucking sick match, completely focused on limb work, uh, specifically Dean working over the knee of Mark Henry. Uh the whole match. Just as a total complete aside, do yourself a favor and go watch that match because that match is extremely sick. I'll check it out. Um, and it's probably Dean's best singles match on like since he signed with the company outside of the Regal matches, uh, up until that point. But, anyways, I say that to say this is all like all these guys have a real chemistry with each other. You know, I was talking about like them pairing off like Roman with Bray, Seth with Luke. It all seems like they are paired to work each other's strengths. Like, it feels weird to say this. But Luke was kind of the high flyer of the Wyatts. Oh like, yeah, I mean, I mean Luke, Luke Harper, like Brody Lee. I mean he, I mean he was a Chikara guy. He had like a little bit of a little bit of training, and like he was like that deceptively agile big man. So he was like kind of a a natural to like be seth rollins base if you will to like because he's one of the best bases ever in wrestling just bar like him and claudio to me are like neck and neck with each other which again makes a lot of sense but so it's it's so cool to see like them building off of each other like you have eric and dean as like the brawling like crazy like unorthodox styles and then you have roman and bray as like just these two brooding powerful hosses essentially yeah and like they both realize they can't like because up until this point like we see bray throw a ton of people around 
We see Roman throw a ton of people around. They can't really do that with each other. So they've kind of like come to this, you know, the immovable object versus the whatever the fucking wall, whatever the fuck. <laughs> I don't remember yeah, the saying. Yeah, the that, that that's the you, you did it, buddy. Yeah, but you know, that that's really what it is. And it's. I can't imagine WWE now putting together a match so coherently especially that involved more than two individuals. Um, and I think too, it, it goes to show like how smart all six of them were. Like they all knew their role perfectly in this match. Um, and they just all operated at like a different level on like, I think all the shield Wyatt matches are actually really good to great. I would highly recommend yeah. watching all of them. Um, but this one really is like, the lightning in the bottle like this it is, lived up to the expectations yeah this is um like really you you can feel you can feel like they're they're in the ring for the first time and it's just like perfect it's yeah. like per they they're like it just fits yeah like, it, it like feels they like... do it again and it would work and it would still be great but this yeah. just feels special and like you you can tell from the reaction and like and like that's really like the Wyatt family at their peak of the peak of their popularity like this was mm -hmm. also the shield at their peak and they are getting chants equally as loud as like the shield yeah like it, it really is like this true like lightning in a bottle moment like it feels like they nailed the first take and there was no need for any more takes like, yeah this was like i totally get why in 2014 you would like like you would be bummed about about the punk stuff but you would watch a match like this and you would say hey maybe like maybe the future of w like i like i think wwe might be in good hands if these are the six guys like that the company will be hinging on in the next decade and obviously for several several reasons like that won't quite be true but i mean that that was my thinking like but, I said, I, but yeah that was i mean that's what a lot of people at the time thought like the 2014 like with like especially daniel bryan getting the win at wrestlemania and like mm -hmm. the shield and the wyatts like when you had the young talent that was doing this in the ring like you can you can definitely see like hey there's something here yeah no and they just I, need to they just need to keep it going yeah absolutely like i i was still a weekly viewer at this point i'm in my last semester of senior year of high school so i have all the time in the fucking world so i'm one week i'm watching smackdown every week I'm most of the weeks tracking down main event to watch. And then I'm watching all the pay-per-views. So I, I remember being, you know, I was like 18, you know, which is around, you know, I was about to be in college. And it's around the time people are like, oh, I can't believe you still watch wrestling. Holy shit. What a loser. Um, And I was like, maybe. And like the punk stuff really bumped me out. Cause I was, a, I was a huge punk guy. Um, And then I, specifically remember this elimination chamber match this match being like you know what maybe this is going to work out 
for the better because all six of these guys are extremely young um and you have like a good mix of like because i mean moxley wasn't like this huge name on the indies let's you know not lie and like you have these homegrown guys you have you know tyler black seth rollins like working and like it's before he is i don't want to say broken down but he has definitely had a lot of injuries these last few years that have slowed him down immensely uh and it just felt like a real like not a passing of the torch but like a oh they're like gonna be forced to have to do some new shit because like things have just changed at the drop of a hat for them like losing one of their biggest guys you know losing punk after the 500 day title reign or whatever he had and it's just like they're gonna have to do something different so that's what kept this match in particular is what arguably has extended my pro wrestling fandom another decade is like if this match were to have not delivered or just was whatever had a screwy finish what have you typical wwe booking i don't know if i would even still be a wrestling fan today i might have eventually found my way back to it but i would not have had the fandom like i have the last 15 years yeah, I totally got it. Man. <laughs> Again, just... I guess these are thoughts I've just have never really verbalized until now, and I guess I didn't realize, like, how integral, like, Bray Wyatt's 2014 run was to my <laughs> fandom. Uh, well, Chris, you ready to move on to our to our next little deal here? Yep. All right, up next, also from 2014, specifically WWE Payback, we have John Cena versus Bray Wyatt in a last man standing match. Um, So this was, so, you know, Bray gets his feud with Cena, and in typical mid-2010s WWE booking, if you got a Mania match with Cena, it means you got an Extreme Rules match with Cena. Well, if you got the Extreme Rules match, you had to go for the three-peat. So you had to go for, at the time, it was payback. Um, Chris, this was a match, I I don't, I I remember really, really digging this match. There's one particular spot in this match that still lives in my mind that I see on repeat all the time because it's just such an insane spot. Um, But what, what drew you to this match of being like, this, to me, is essential Bray? Because I don't know if a lot of people would think of this as essential Bray. Um. Well, I feel I feel like you have to talk about like Bray and Cena, and this is I think this is easily the best match of the trilogy. Oh um, yeah, I no, like, I agree with that. The Mania match is fine. Um, the the cage match is whatever. Um, I, I never, never enjoy, like, especially since, uh, Cena got the win at Mania, it did not love, never loved that Bray got the win via escape. Yeah. Especially, because, like, this is where you start, kind of start getting into, oh boy, they're really, 
like what are they doing with Bray? Yep. Um, because like for someone like who's supposed to be like the dominant dominant heel, he he loses and it's whatever. It's WrestleMania Cena, and then for the rematch, he he escapes the cage. Which I mean, I know I know it's Cena still and. But it's like later career Cena and it's a guy you're building up and it's a cage match. So they're like you can I feel like there's plenty of ways you could have gotten like a pin. Bray Bray to get a pin on Cena, but he's still so protected. But I mean, this is just. Like this is Bray, this is Bray bumping like we were talking about insane bumps and like I'm usually I usually don't love last man standing matches, but I like this is this is a good last man standing match. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely because I mean, you know, talking about Bray, it definitely leans into some of like the innate goofiness that you can have with the last man standing match. Like, how can I keep my opponent down for 10 seconds? Um per se but it also again works so well because it is bray uh cena at this time is you know a pretty good wrestler i I wouldn't say this was cena's best year of the 2010s but you know cena in the 2010s was a pretty surefire shot of at least having something good unless he was wrestling kane yeah i Um, and i always like i always like cena in a gimmick match yeah, yeah, like Cena and like Cena, a garbage brawl. Cena has had, uh, let's say he's had some good last man standing matches before. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if it's a hot take, but has had some good ones. Also, but Chris, I don't know if you remember the one he had with Batista um, after WrestleMania 26. That one is dog shit, um, where he duct tapes Batista's legs to the rope to win the match. And Batista physically can't yeah, get that... up. And be... That one sucks shit, but... <laughs> All of the rest of them are actually good. Um, but yeah, they're, I'm just going to go ahead and talk about it because like, I it's the only thing I can see right now is the spot in the match where Cena yeets the, the steel set steps into Bray. Yeah. And it, I mean, I, I, I mean, I understand Bray gets his arm up. I do not see how he didn't full dome these steps. Because it looks so good, it sounds so good, and it feels... It's the only time I've ever watched wrestling where the steel steps have actually felt like a threat. Because they're always like, oh, these steel steps weigh 700 pounds, and there's no way you should be able to do that. And this is the only time that I feel like you can feel the weight of the steps. Yeah. Yeah, it was... It is a way gnarlier than I remembered that being because yeah like it like as much as they like to hype it up it the steps always feel like kind of cheap but yeah you you feel that like it feels hefty and man and i guess too like watching this i forgot that the usos were also involved yeah Uso the usos are uh seen as equalizer yeah uh for the for rowan and harper and it, I'm, I, granted, I don't like what this match did for Bray's run 
This like, is, yeah, this is kind of because afterwards, I mean, obviously you have more Shield Wyatt matches, mm-hmm. but at, for Bray as a whole, it's kind of his lost in the wilderness phase where he's kind of he's just kind of aimless and yeah. Didn't he like, feud with Jericho after this? Maybe if I'm not if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, I'm. I don't have. Yeah. So him. So him and Chris. Uh, wrestled at Battleground 2014. So yeah, he rolls from Cena into a Jericho feud. But I mean, it, it feels like a definite step down from where he was at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, it like from. Like you go from the yeah, like Bray, or you go to Brian, who's just about, and I mean you can say it's circumstantial that Brian is about to win the title, but I mean that's a hot program. To the like huge match with the Shield on pay per view, to like three consecutive Cena matches, and then you've got. You've, yeah, you've got Jericho, who's kind of in one of his, like, him, like, that's not the best, that's not the best late WWE Jericho run. No. Yeah, it just, it, it feels like, and again, like, I don't blame Bray or even Cena for this, because it's just how WWE booking went this part of the decade, they really didn't get out of this phase until Cena went part-time really. Yeah. Um, like it was like pretty, pretty much, you know, round the clock every year, whoever Cena was feuding with at mania was not going into the summer looking too hot. Yeah. Um, like they did it with the Miz. I mean, God, who <laughs> I'm trying to think of all who Cena wrestled. I like all the early 2010 manias, but yeah, like it just never worked well for any of them. Uh, and Bray, you know, not being an example. I think what speaks to Bray's testament as a worker, though, was the fact he was able to recover from the post, you know, Cena burial of like, uh, John Cena wins, lol. But like yeah, Bray was able to recover as a character and a wrestler, and later where... he would uh, later he would turn it into like he would turn like the that this entire feud and like the aftermath of it for both him and Cena into mm-hmm. like one of his most acclaimed matches. Yeah. And like in a really smart way, like in such a smart way, you know, nobody on the writing team had anything to do with it because it's way yeah. too yeah, meta it's, and it's smart. way too smart. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, like I'm sure Cena probably like co-signed on a bunch of stuff, but like, you know, all that was a thousand percent Bray. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just something really cool. But like the fact that I mean, and Bray. I mean, you know, we say like, yeah, he went to the Jericho feud and I honestly couldn't even remember how he would have ended his 2014, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I, but he stayed over. He, he like would. Yeah, I'm, I forget how he finished it. Like once the shield breaks up, he's just kind of like 
feuding with individual members of the shield and and especially roman like he's just kind like for uh, forever he's just in like this endless like where if they don't have an idea for bray or roman they just put them together yeah like i'm i'm trying to read right now what what they had bray doing at the end of 2014 um let's see yeah because that's more 2015 yeah so they put him with john with cena a bunch on like the house show loop he was losing the big show on the house show loop was losing the sheamus on the house show loop um which i would actually love to see some of those bray white sheamus matches i'm sure at least one of them exists online but i bet those probably fucking rule um but yeah, just like a whole bunch of like random, like John Cena, Mark Henry and the big show defeat the Wyatt family in six minutes, 42 seconds, yeah. August 25th, 2014 on raw. And yep. yeah, and you're right. They actually started, God, they started pairing him with Roman way earlier than I remember. Cause yeah, he was working Roman in August of 2014 on SmackDown. Oh, so he's doing that. And this Jericho, the Jericho feud goes into the fall because he's still wrestling Jericho into September. So he's really just kind of doing what the fuck ever they <laughs> were writing him in to do. Uh, was randomly teaming with Kane in handicap matches on the house show loop against like Cena and Ambrose. Uh, he wrestled Sin Cara on an episode of Main Event. I mean, he's all over the fucking place. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the, it really is a wandering in the wilderness. Yeah, like after this match, which is it's a bummer because I mean, like you can see, like this is this is the biggest brawl we'll talk about, obviously. But he like so you get to see more of him bumping, like bumping his ass off and like what he has to offer and as a character and a wrestler. And he's just so good in that like upper, upper mid card to main event level heel. Mm -hmm. And like, he's such a good foil for someone like Cena, but like because of the climate of W the WWE booking of the time, he just wasn't going to be able to get the win and then we're out of ideas pal and yeah i mean by the end of 2014 he's wrestling eric rowan like oh yeah because because yeah oh my gosh yeah like it's like holy shit like how do you fumble (laughs) how do you fumble this and they did uh yeah oh man because like that the ending stretch of this match because it's always like you always know they're going to they have to come up with some some way to like there's got to be a definitive way to put someone down and like first when uh like bray uh knocks cena into like the control panel and it sets Mm -hmm. off some pyro like that's a that's a fun little spot but then like cena comes back and then uh puts him through the storage the storage like crate or like the big like that big storage for the amplifier or whatever it is and then Mm -hmm. puts another giant box on top of them and then stands on top like that's like 
booking issues aside, that is a like great ending to a last man standing match. I think like that's a a really that's a really good way to pay pay off the match. Like it, it's definitely like very WWE, I guess in that sense. Like I feel like if something like that was to happen in say AEW, I feel like it probably wouldn't get over as huge uh <laughs> with with that crowd but I, I mean i think you you see kind of that sort of stuff with like you see it more in like the sting like the sting brawls and that kind of yeah. stuff so yeah. i i think there's a place for it in in other stuff and i think it worked for me here yeah no i no i agree i i actually found an old review i did a review for this match oh back, did you back in the summer of 2014 that i found and i specifically touch on just how cr- like crazy good of a like a garbage brawl it is and like the zany WWE ending of it and I actually touch on like how much I enjoyed it and I was and because it, it was funny because I'd forgotten about it and I just ran like I was looking at all the like the Wyatt stuff I had in my in my like Google Drive and stuff um, and I found that review and I was like huh I was like I guess me now and me nine years ago really don't have that dissimilar of taste in wrestling because my thoughts were practically identical. <laughs> in fact, I think I like the match a little bit more now, but I was like, thoughts are practically identical. It was it was just kind of like a really funny find. I'm like, hmm, 18-year-old Tanner and 27-year-old Tanner like this match like pretty equally. there chris oh yeah yeah sorry oh, okay making sure <laughs> making sure sometimes discord's uh weird and we'll cut you off huh well are you ready to go into our fourth match of the yes evening? um so up next uh well we'll get into it uh we have roman reigns and bray wyatt versus sheamus and alberto del rio it's from a random raw in like april of 2016 i think it's maybe april 11th it's right after mania um 2016 and if you don't know why we picked this match if you've ever seen the gif of bray wyatt pointing at sheamus and roman reigns comes out of nowhere and spears sheamus as bray is getting the pin on alberto del rio well this is that match yeah Um, this is this is the fabled this is the fabled babyface Bray Wyatt match. Yes, this is. If you ever wanted to see ba- how a babyface Bray Wyatt would work, and Chris, I don't. Did he get injured at shortly after this? He got. Yeah, he got injured, but it, I don't think it was for that short of a time. So, like, the, I feel like they could have easily like gone back to the idea of him being a babyface if they wanted to pursue that. Uh, but he did get hurt, I think, at a house show, uh, like a week after. Yeah, so he it looks like he gets injured. Yeah, literally two days after this. So April 11th, 2016, him and Roman defeat Del Rio and Sheamus. Two days later, he gets hurt wrestling Roman on a house show. But he comes back. Two and a half months later. Yeah. But he comes back with the Wyatt family, but the Braun and Eric version of the mm-hmm. Wyatt family. 
It's so bizarre. It's like they definitely could have pursued baby face. I want to say it was his ankle. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, like he like a severe strain to the ankle. If I maybe misremembering, this is you know me trying to remember eight years ago wrestling news. But yeah, it's just so weird. Like this is the only taste we ever got of it, and seemingly with no warning. Because yeah, they just I mean, kind they of just put them of, together. They just kind of put them together, and it was just like, uh, will these, how will these two former enemies be able to team up against uh, a common foe in the League of Nations? And I mean, their like natural chemistry as opponents. I mean, they they worked really well tagging together. Uh, Bray like. I alluded to it like he got to showcase more of like a rapid fire baby baby face offense like had some quick quick tags and a hot tag and mm-hmm. like looked real nice and like kind of ad- and like kind of adapted some of his like classic Bray Wyatt uh offense to have a little bit more swagger and baby face pop like yeah, like babyface flair to it, which is really fun to see. Like him hitting, hitting like the like the uh, pose where he does like the upside down spider pose. Yeah, thing. But like as like a babyface taunt instead of to like spook someone, it's so funny. No, it and it works so well. You're just. Again, yeah, it, like rewatching the match, I'm like, how did they not run with this? Yeah, and the, like the crowd, the crowd eats it. Like the crowd just instantly gets it. It was just like, yeah, yeah. It's like this is like, it. It feels like something that if it was like some other, like, if they just teamed him up, like roman up with some other heel like if it was roman and the miz or something and so like wwe crowds are usually game for for the miz so maybe that's a or like baron corbin let's say. yeah uh or like even or even like someone who's in this match if it was roman reigns and sheamus who sheamus is a great worker like we i think we've been on, very much on the record as a very pro Seamus podcast, I think the crowd would not just like fundamentally get into a Seamus and Roman Reigns tag team as easily just because Bray, like Bray just makes you believe it. Yeah, it, exactly. And again, like with it being so like they put them together, like in the middle of the show, they're like, Oh, and tonight Roman's going to team with, Bray Wyatt and you're like how is this gonna work and instead of them like and what's interesting at the time because Roman very obviously babyface Bray is a heel at this point like he's in the Wyatt family at this point like he's reformed the Wyatt family per se um they there's no signs of dissension like they work together they they cohesively they kind of tease just like one there's like one tag that's a little bit tentative yeah but it and like very early on but it's just like no we're in this to win the match and we're going to beat like we 
thinks these guys are annoying and stupid and we're going yeah, to beat them up. Exactly. And I can't think of another example WWE has or real any company have has done where they team up a very obviously babyface and a very obvious heel against just say another like heel team but the babyface and the heel work very cohesively in their conquest to just like shove the nerds back in the locker like i can't think of any company that has ran anything like that since this yeah i mean like like i always i always love like weird like weird odd couple matchups i wish we uh got more of it and yeah but aew like lethal lottery and like the adam cole mjf stuff has like gotten really o- over and like kind of led to an mjf babyface turn but yeah. i was i i i think it had more growing pains than something like this it wasn't like it wasn't as natural as and and i know i'm also there are people that like that tag run a lot more than i do so yeah i was about to say like for the sake of not making people mad, I will say there is a certain level of cheese you have to buy into for the MJF Adam Cole thing. Yeah, there was none of that here. And I, I mean, maybe that's just because inherently Roman and Bray were. God, it's going to feel so weird for somebody that had the gimmick of Bray, but were two more serious characters than Adam Cole and MJF. Yeah, um, I mean, this wasn't like this wasn't set up with weeks of like comedy segments and yeah, like everything they're doing. Like it was just yeah, like Roman didn't come out for a match in Borderlands gear. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, who, who am I to judge? Uh, so yeah, because that that still because. I was just saying that feels like it's probably the closest thing to this and it still feels like vastly different. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I didn't even think of making the comparison to the Cole and MJF, but yeah, I would, I would say, and who's to say WWE would not have went that route. If Bray doesn't get injured, you know, if they don't do just goofy segments trying to, you know, get them over as a baby face. Roman, right Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt gaming, gaming segment. Just like Adam Cole and MJF. Yeah, they're what, what, what would they have played in 2016? Uh, they would be playing. Uh, I don't know, Rocket League. Oh yeah, Rocket League's probably a good shout. Yeah, could you just imagine Bray saying like, "Oh, epic goal, Roman," and then they win the tag titles, but but they win like the NXT oh, it's, tag titles. It's 2016. They're playing Overwatch, bro. Oh, they're totally playing Overwatch. Oh my god, yeah, totally. And then they win the NXT tag titles. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we should have been in charge. Uh, just ask us how you want to make money. Um. Well, Chris, if you're ready, I'm ready to get into this final match. I am ready. Um, Our final match of the evening uh, is kind of a weird one that I honestly forgot about until i was looking over my spreadsheets i'm like oh my god i completely forgot about like nearly this whole run um it's from the january 10th 2017 smackdown 
um, a golden era of SmackDown in general, I, I think, um, that late 2016, early 2017 period. We have American Alpha, Chad Gable and Jason Jordan, uh, versus the Wyatt family, Bray Wyatt, and <gasps> Randy Orton? Yeah, this yep. is this was the lead-in. Like, eventually this culminated with uh, the Bray Wyatt uh, Randy Orton mania match. Yep. I was there for that match. Oh yeah, you were. Yep. I was there live. What a, what a match to be in the building for. Yeah. Uh, I actually posted a video of Bray's entrance during that match, uh, recently, you, you know, scroll on my Twitter and find it. Um, the match itself doesn't super hold up well in the building, but I will say watching the entrance on my phone again, I was like, wow, that, I am really glad I got to be in the crowd for that because this is a fucking cool entrance. Just in Camping World Stadium, it's dark outside and just like 85,000 people have their phone camera lights on. Like, it, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, I bet you were, did you, how scared were you when the worms appeared? Um, Chris, I, I won't lie. I was terrified because I was already suffering from heat exhaustion being out in the Florida sun uh, in April. Cause it was about 105 degrees this WrestleMania in particular. So I thought the worms were real and that they were going to get me. Oh, that that's a, that's a bummer. But luckily uh, the worms weren't around in January because at this time, Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton were still friends. Uh, Randy, uh, Randy Orton was part of the Wyatt family mm -hmm. uh, and everything was going swimmingly or was it uh, as they, yeah, as they challenged American alpha for the tag belts. Um, and yeah, this was probably like 2017. Uh, at this point I was watch like watching other promotions that weren't WWE, but I was still like, this was the last period that i was really engaged in the product I yeah think. this is this is prime talking smack era smack yeah era. this was like this was we were just three weeks removed from rhino being drunk on talking smack dressed as santa yeah that was great great stuff you had uh, like the stuff with the miz and ziggler uh like cena had some good stuff in the main event aj styles mm -hmm. had a lot of stuff good matches yeah like, uh, even baron corbin was bringing it like kalisto like the uso is like ambrose good, good era of smackdown and yeah. uh, probably yeah like i was watching i wasn't watching raw every week i don't think but i was generally trying to catch uh smackdown and nxt yeah um, that, i was in the same and boat. I, was, I wasn't watching raw I was really into Randy Orton joining the Wyatt family. Like it felt like this was, it was the best the Wyatt family had felt since I started watching it. Like, like rant, like Randy Orton just seemed like such an interesting fit into like Bray's little world. And all of the little stuff with him and Luke Harper, uh, like kind of fighting over 
like Luke Harper not believing Randy Orton is truly bought in and them like fighting over it, which unfortunately never kind of paid off into a singles match of its own. Which, which makes no sense how, why Luke was not involved in that in the Mania match. Yeah, it one of like one of the truly baffling things in the entire feud was how like how how quickly he was just kind of forgotten in it. Yep. Like Bray um, wins elimination chamber and then the Harper might as well have not even been involved. But uh yeah, uh like American Alpha before American Alpha even won the belts, they had a match with uh Bray and Randy Orton, which is also very good. But I mean, like they had a nice they had a nice little run before they got broken up and then obviously Jason Jordan got hurt and has been retired ever since, but like they on this era of SmackDown, they really got some chances to shine and uh, really a perfect like baby face work rate tag team. And mm-hmm. two guys like Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton are like two perfect workers to kind of have a banger little TV match for the titles with. Yeah. So yeah, like, like we were we were talking earlier like, you know, talking about Bray working his like heel style being like real brooding and methodical. Well, fucking Randy is like the godfather of that style. So having yeah. them to work against this energetic and athletic, you know, I want to throw you suplex, you know, I don't obviously not indie darling, but NXT darling tag team. Yeah, that Gable and Jordan were and like having like your two big baddies on, you know, this side of the television working them like it makes perfect sense. And they have like abnormally good chemistry like the four of them had with each other. Yeah, like there's like obviously Gable and Jordan, even with Gable, like having a pretty decent size disadvantage they're Mm -hmm. still obviously incredibly athletic but they work it in such a way way that it's like even though they're the champions against bray and orton uh they are the underdogs here and they've really got like they've really got to be dialed in and like hit their hit their shit really crisp and really aggressively. Yep. And I mean, they're off like their tag team offense is just so smooth. And I, I've got, I've really missed American alpha as a tag team. They were, they were so good. And they yeah. Were that so was fun. That, that was one thing like watching this, obviously watching it for Bray. I'm like, man, WWE just hasn't had a team like American alpha since American alpha. Yeah. Like, I mean, like they, they still have like some good tag teams, but yeah, like, that they were like they were a tag team that like you were kind of worried because they were the NXT darlings you were worried about them going to the main roster and they mm-hmm. kind of especially on this like the smackdown live work rate oriented 
like style it was for a bit they like translated pretty well and yeah translated better than the other teams of yeah i mean like they had like ftr like they they've gone back to their status that they had in uh nxt as one of the premier tag teams but Mm -hmm. they were kind of like that main roster run was not that main roster run they didn't really have anything even like the brief amer like time that american and alpha was having matches like this yeah um and i think that's a testament to just how like i mean it's two it's two guys who are worshiping kurt angle and the uh, world's greatest tag team and stuff like yeah. that. Which, but... granted, you know, Kurt Angle is Jason Jordan's dad. So yeah, that is true. <laughs> I still can't believe they fucking did whatever. I had to... Fucking ever. <laughs> Twenty seventeen but... WWE goes downhill real quick when you just start thinking about it for a fucking second. But yeah, yeah, it goes down into the worms. <laughs> they they had magic there up until. I remember going to the Raw after this Mania, which was actually the Raw that FTR uh, debuted, I believe, against the club, if I'm not mistaken. Or it might have been. Oh, yeah, the club. Yeah. Everybody's favorite tag team, the club. Um, And I remember coming out of that Raw, the Mania, or the Raw after Mania, being like, you know, maybe I don't have to watch WWE anymore. (laughs) like i'm in orlando i'm freshly 21 my first trip i've ever taken like by myself i'm just like maybe maybe i maybe i can watch just like the stuff in japan and mexico that's happening maybe i don't have to watch WWE all the time but i say that to say the the wyatt family stuff during this time is legitimately good i think WWE got in their way too much and honest to god and a surprising moment overthought it and just didn't do the simple thing of like, I'm, I'm not a huge proponent for triple threat matches in any way. Yeah. Why Orton Harper was the match that should have happened at mania. The fact that it didn't still to this day makes no sense to me. Um, and I think anybody that was watching during this time would echo those sentiments that, that the mania match should have been Wyatt Orton Harper. Um, but you like they were they were cooking for a little bit, like oh, yeah, on absolutely. on Smack specifically on SmackDown. Um, and a large part of it is because like you had this great mixture of like you had your work rate team, in, you know, American Alpha. You had the big baddies and the Wyatts. Because if you remember, they also feuded with Cena. Orton and Cena had a television match on SmackDown in. I believe in January or February of 2017. That's really good that people should go watch. Um, but like you have like all your main eventers, like it feel it feels like the A show. I know we used to joke on Twitter, like, oh, SmackDown's the true A show. And I remember SmackDown got so close to Raw in the ratings at one point. We were like, oh my god, it's gonna fucking happen. SmackDown's gonna beat Raw in the ratings. Yeah. Um But no, it, it was a fun time to be watching and again i think wwe just got in their own way and overthought it but a large part of that was just because of like the overt silliness and zaniness that the wyatts kind of embodied anyways Mm -hmm. and 
I, I don't know. They just like kind of got it. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, like the the why the Wyatts like for all their ups and downs. Like their their ups. Like what we what we were saying in at the top of the podcast to kind of bring it back around. Like he he's just like Bray Wyatt is just someone who always just just got it mm -hmm. yeah uh, absolutely just intrinsically like to the point where maybe he he got it a little too like too well and in the fact like just had so many i clearly so many ideas and like what by all reports was just like constantly like you hear when he was working on the fiend was just like bombarding creative with his ideas and yeah. like what he wanted to do. Well, and like going out of his way to reach out to like horror, like artists and be like, Hey, can you do like this kind of mask for me? Or like the yeah. fiend belt. I know it's super easy to make fun of something as silly as what if my title belt was just my face, but like you have to respect the love, the effort that goes in to something like that of like making again, this silly idea into something tangible mm -hmm. that people actually like, because Chris, I, you know, not to put us on the spot or anything, but you know, we kind of said we wanted to do the fiend episode at first as a joke. Cause it was like, who's going to do a deep dive of the fiend. But I think both you and I came out on the other side of that project being like, you know, maybe it's not as goofy as it reads. Well, like, I, I, I have always been pro fiend. Yeah. And like, it, it's like, no, there's actually some really smart stuff here or maybe smart's not the right word, but some, you know, entertaining, actual good quality television and entertainment here. No, it's smart. It's for smart people. The oh yeah. The for, smart people. It's for the geniuses out yeah, there. May, maybe uh, anyone, anyone who didn't the like the fiend, uh, like, like go just go fuck yourself yeah i just I, I do hope if if this podcast or really just the last week has like just kind of got you interested and like maybe you wasn't watching at the time or you know what i because I, I feel like to a lot of people just weren't watching especially in the like the mid 2010s like especially with like new japan popping off like people were just spending a lot of time it was the first time i'd ever met wrestling fans that were watching wrestling that wasn't wwe so it was super weird um maybe go back and watch some of this stuff because like it does legitimately hold up and it makes you long for like <laughs> the wwe of the past because i just couldn't like i mean and they do still put on good stuff now i think saying that they don't would be and i mean this this is like better stuff on some of these cards. I mean, if you if you dive into some of like the cards of the shows, you will probably find some dog shit. Oh yeah, because I mean, it is it is very funny to like yearn for twenty sixteen raw. Yeah, yes, I no, I agree. It, there's definitely still dog shit, but the stuff that is good is like pretty good um and like 
if you've never, especially, you know, talking in the context of Bray Wyatt, go back and rewatch some of his like hype stuff that maybe you haven't seen in a few years. Go watch the shield versus Wyatt's elimination chamber match, or go watch any of their matches. Cause like I said, they're all good. Go watch the Daniel Bryan match from the rumble. Go watch that Cena match. And like, honestly, too like after watching those matches i'm like shit was bray like putting together like a sneaky case for like one of the best workers in the wve in 2014 come like he fucking killed it in all these 2014 matches we watched and yeah, i know there's I mean, 2014 matches we didn't watch that he's also really fucking good in yeah i mean and you'd i'd be interested to see like how he holds his own and like and some of that like lost in the wilderness period that we were talking about, but yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, he a very strong case, hell of a worker. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it, it's been really like cathartic to talk about him for like the last almost two hours now. Yeah, um, for sure. Because it too, I, I know like, it, I mean, it always sucks when somebody dies. Like, just it, it sucks. Um, but really, like getting to celebrate their work or any, and this doesn't apply to just wrestlers, but like and getting to celebrate what they got to do in life and what they love to do and like how they leave their mark. I always find like really, I do it a lot with musicians when a musician dies. Yeah, like, I, I tend to go through like a lot of their catalog and that's kind of what we you know we've done here with bray and it's just like it makes you see i don't want to say see it in another light but it's really like you really appreciate it more than maybe you did in the moment of like wow i wish i could have seen this like how i'm seeing it now nine years ago and like just how great great we had it and it's really much like a uh you don't know you're living in the good old days until you're not living in the good old days anymore but it really much is like a man like what a like a cool like time in television and the fact that he did get something so innately silly over like he did for so long and managed to stay at the top of the card despite you know some truly dog shit things such as the Cena stuff. And we didn't even talk about the spooky TV monitor. Yeah. We um, didn't talk about spooky <laughs> TV monitor. We yeah. didn't talk about, I mean, we didn't talk about like the, like any of the Randy Orton stuff beyond, uh, <laughs> the, the WrestleMania match. Yeah. Beyond the mania match. Like, yeah, I mean, and- there's, and like he recovered from it. I don't know if a if there's ever been a wrestler that has had such lows as far as being like just creatively screwed to, you know, being able to continuously climb up the mountain. And I think it really does speak a lot to like Bray's character as a, like an actual real life person. Um, but yeah, no, it's just I'm glad I'm glad we did this. I was a little worried when you when you suggested we do a bray episode i'm like man okay we yeah we can do a bray episode i just i don't i feel like it's going to be a lot of tangential stuff like i'm just going to be talking and maybe that's what this is but maybe that's maybe this episode was for you and i chris 
of like being able to put our feelings about a worker that we both genuinely had a respect for and loved watching them yeah. work. And maybe this episode was more for us being able to say our piece on, on why Bray was so special to us. And, uh, to, you know, other people can listen to it if they wanted. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, it was, I think nice to kind of like, I've gotten a little bit of it out, especially the night of on the timeline and stuff, but, yeah, it was nice kind of just talking about uh, his work and being able to like highlight some matches and just kind of talk through really why uh, like he's such a compelling character and figure in that in that time for wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, couldn't say it better myself like that. Just like a really special performer, like in any way you look at it, like I, I, I don't see anybody else coming along. Yeah, there's only soon. there's only one Bray Wyatt. There's yeah. only one Bray Wyatt. Yeah, absolutely correct. Well, well, Chris, uh, I'll be on. I didn't expect us to go almost two hours. Um, but I'm glad we did. I'm I'm really glad we got to sit here and, and you know just talk about the the love and adoration we we had for bray wyatt as a as a person and a performer um i i guess any any last words any plugs uh no no plugs this time uh just you know appreciate the people uh in your life uh while you're here because you never yeah you never know yeah when something's gonna happen and also uh follow the buzzards yeah i mean look you know where to find us uh i completely echo chris's sentiments uh you know reach out to somebody maybe you haven't talked to in a while um see how they're doing you know like you never god it's gonna sound so fucking sappy but you uh, truly never really know when it could be somebody's time um and if the last few years of like you know covid and everything has taught me anything it's that you just i mean you you don't know what's next um and you know maybe it's not like super great on your own psyche to just like hold grudges i don't know but reach out to people you know be a kind compassionate human being and you know just the people that you do love make sure they know that you love them all right i think i think that's the show chris yep all right i I really don't know how to end it (laughs) maybe i should have ended it when you said follow the buzzards